to enjoy the songs, blessings, renew old acquaintance, make some new ones. I appreciate the invitation. We have some good ministers, good chairman. But I so wonder sometimes about his judgment. Praise the Lord. the Lord. Why are you turning your Bible to 2 Corinthians, the 29th chapter? I want to read about the first 11 verses. I would like to say before we enter into the Word of God that I'm not here to hurt you. I'm not here to unchristianize you in any way. I'm not here to be facetious. But I'm here, if I can at all, through and by the word of God to help us and to challenge our thinking as God has challenged mine. I've been a minister for some years, and it just seems like there's something new in God every day. I think I've become more aware that he is not only God of the past or God of the future. I realize all things will consummate one of these days. The great promises of God all will come, be fulfilled. But God has made me very much aware in the past few months or years that he's a God of today and that many of the things that he has promised us that we have either put in the past or made for a future date or made so available to us today. And if we could recognize that as God's people and God's church, I feel like we could live more of a victorious life. 29th chapter of Second Chronicles. Hezekiah began to reign when he was five and twenty years old, and he reigned nine and twenty years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. He in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. And he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them together into the east street. 
and said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourself and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and have forsaken him and turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs. Also they have shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lamps, not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. Wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem. He hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment and to hissing as you see with your eyes. For lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword, our, daughter, our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. Now it is in mine heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, be not now negligent, for the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, and that ye should minister unto him and burn incense. Would you bow your heads with me in just a word of prayer? Father, tonight as we stand here, we recognize our weakness and our unworthiness. Know that we're nothing. But, Father, we want to provide a vessel now for you to fill. For you not only to bless us with thy word, Father, and anoint us. Speak words only that you would want to speak and need to speak. But you would anoint the hearts of the congregation, their ears to see, to hear, and their eyes to see. Father, and let your word lodge deep within every heart that we might go forth thanking you for the glorious privilege of knowing you. In Jesus' name, amen. Eleventh verse, My sons, be not now negligent, for the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him to serve him, that you should minister unto him and burn incense. I'd like to speak on a subject that I feel like has caused many a church member or Christian to not materialize, many churches to uh, be less than what they ought to be, and just generally in our lives something that would curtail our involvement with the Lord. One simple word mentioned in here, the word neglect. And I would like for you to think upon that word just a moment, the word neglect. And God challenged me some time ago about sins and the neglect, and of course neglect has to be classified as a sin. I was always very much aware of the sins that I commit, my failures, things that make me weak, but I never was very much aware of sins of omission, things that I should do that I didn't do. And God made me aware that this generally was a sin that kept my Life below par, below what God wanted it to be. I want to speak to you tonight from my heart. I don't know just how easy or how hard it is going to be. It really makes no never mind. But I would like for us to gauge our own life and begin to look over opportunities that presented themselves and passed. Those opportunities will perhaps 
never come your way again. That's the past. You can't call it back. But perhaps if we become aware of this one little thing in our life, then we can better cope with it and be better Christians and better able to be what God would want us to be. I looked out over the world and see the economists screaming out about the neglect of our economy. Doesn't seem to matter, man goes on. I hear a ecologist talking about the pollution of our rivers and of our air and sometimes even the mind of our younger generation. And this seems to have no effect. I hear the scientists every day on radio and television and screaming out in the newspapers about the neglect of our complete universe. How something has to be done, our universe will enter into utter chaos. Man goes on. I hear the experts on agriculture talking about the neglect of the tillable ground and what is going to happen to it and that in the near future. Man goes on in his same ways, seeming not able to learn at all from past history. All of these things are sad. All of these things are terrible. But I think the saddest of all is God Almighty. Through his voices that's sounding out everywhere, telling us about the utter neglect of our spiritual lives. Sometimes we ought to become aware of who we are and the great program of God and our commission here in this earth. And if we ever become aware of that, then we surely would realize that certainly negligence has been a mainstay in all of our lives. I thought when God spoke that to my heart and it crushed me and I cried out before him and my words were, God help me some way to recognize things that come my way that I just don't do, that I could do, that I should do, and I just don't do. This cripples my ministry. This hurts my faith. This keeps me down. I'm claiming who I am and what I am and what I can do through Jesus Christ our Lord. I believe Ephesians tells us, Paul talking to the church of Ephesus, that he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. (laughs) Hallelujah. He hath blessed us. Not he did bless us or he will bless us, but he hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. And there's been times when, because of the adversary and my failure to recognize who I am, I am what I am because of God, not because of me. And I have neglected to fulfill in the kingdom of God actually who I am. And I doubt very seriously if I am the only one in this congregation that has committed day-to-day sins of omission. Failures in our everyday life. Opportunity comes and calls and knocks at the door and our life is too ordered by us and we seem to be too busy to take advantage of the opportunity as it presents itself. And that opportunity is gone and neglect has been the issue in our lives. Some way tonight, if I could just say enough words, a few words, 
to get us to run to a mirror someplace and look ourselves in the face and ask an honest question and then expect to get an honest answer, God, how can I remedy the neglect that is in my life every day? I was reading some time ago about Governor Dickerson from the state of Michigan as he spoke many, many years ago to our parents trying to get them to see the need of discipline in their homes. And he told this story. I thought this story would perhaps be applicable to a life that's lived with negligence. He spoke concerning a young lad of a businessman. This young lad, of course, had all the money that he needed, everything that he wanted. And this businessman, of course, was busy. And he thought, just give the lad money and that'll suffice him. But he failed to give the lad what is needed most in every home and in every heart. He failed to give him love. And he talks about this young man then without any guidance at all. His mother was dead. This young man went out and got in the wrong crowd and got infected with a social disease. Recognizing that he did, not knowing what to do, he tried to commit suicide. He failed in that instance. They sent him to a state institution for a cure for that social disease, and they thought he was cured. Time told, and he was not. But he got married, and he infected his wife with the same disease. His wife became pregnant. She died at childbirth. But the son lived, half blind and idiotic. The father comes and looks down upon that half idiotic son and goes out and shoots himself. The son lives on. Years later, standing in a street in Buffalo, New York, in a line, to shake hands with then-President William McKinley, reached out one hand, to shake his hand, took out a gun and shot him, and this young man was sentenced to die and did die. I said all this, this that to say this, four lives were gone because of the neglect of one man. Let it sink deep into your heart tonight. Four lives were taken because of the neglect of one man. Now let's look at a little story in the Bible and there's many incidents, but let's find and mark it down in Samuel somewhere about the fourth chapter. We find a man that was a man that God loved, held a high place in the temple. His name was Eli. Eli was a man that followed after the order, did what he was supposed to do as high priest, but he had one failing. He would not and did not chastise his sons. Amen. And because he was negligent in this, because he failed to do this, Israel was defeated by the Philistines. 30,000 foot soldiers were slain. Eli's own two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were killed. And the Ark of the Covenant, a place where God dwelled, for the first time was taken from the hands of God's people and taken by the hands of a foreign enemy. On hearing the news, Eli, being old, fell off of his seat and broke his neck. 
Eli's daughter-in-law, in hearing the news, travailed with child and died. The child was named Ichabod. The glory is departed from Israel. All of this because of the negligence of one individual. Now you might say, well, that was back then, but brother, it's today. If we could some way take stock of our lives, and God forgive us, God forgive me and God help me of the past opportunities that I failed to capitalize on. And I can't go back to that. I can't solve any problems that might have been solved or perhaps I give witness to many people that have never been witnessed to. And God being my witness, I can get on my knees before him and say, God, never let me be negligent in any area, any place in your kingdom again. I don't think that's just something that this preacher ought to have to do. I think the church of the living God, and it is God's church, and it is his body, and it is living, and it's breathing, and it has been commissioned, and it has been placed here, and there is a work for it to do. But better if we would search the lives of every individual and let us take care of our own, we might find many miles we walked and many times that negligence has been the rule of thumb in our lives. All of that, all of that, because one man could not find his place in God. Now, you're not an Eli, and I'm not either. But there are places we walk, places we work, and places we worship. And the hours that have gone by spent carelessly. And God, this morning I appreciate it. I got in on just about half of the lesson, the last one, Brother Van Hoos was giving. And I appreciated the fact that others share the same idea that there is a freshness I do coming down from heaven, something that really is new but should not have been, that is beginning to open up. And I think it would help much if we would begin to measure our lives and see if negligence in our life might have been the cause of many people not being to the house of God, not worshiping God, failing to be where they ought to be. Now, there's many instances in the Bible that will tell us. I'm not about to insist that uh, so many things is going to happen to us and this is going to happen. God's a good God. But he loves us enough that if he can at all, he'll dig down at our roots and find that thing that is hurting us and causing us to grow and he'll do something about it if we let him. Parables in the Bible, if we look at them, speak very loud concerning what negligence can do. I was looking at I had never looked at it before, and perhaps you have, but I had never looked at it before. As I was reading, when his disciples wanted to know about when the kingdom of God was going to come and all of this, and uh, Jesus spoke a parable to them. And in that parable was something that challenged my life and is still with me. He said a certain nobleman went into a far country, called his ten servants and gave them ten pounds, 
and told them to occupy it till I come. Doesn't seem like much of a commission. Doesn't seem like much of a commitment. But when we look at it and see what it's really saying in the Greek, it's simply saying, invest for gain until I come. I'm giving you something, and I just don't want you to keep it within yourself. I want you to invest it for gain, so when I come, I'll have some gain from what I gave you. Hallelujah. And when he came back, one servant said, Look, Lord, one pound I took. Now it's gained you ten. And you know the answer he gave him. Another one said, Lord, it's your pound that's gained five pounds. And then another one, of course, said, I know you're a hard man. I know you're hard to please and couldn't be pleased. Maybe not in those words. I'm paraphrasing it. And he said, now here is the one talent you left me all wrapped up. And you'll find it just like it was when I gave it to you. Now let's stop here long enough to say that I believe with all of my heart when God gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. He speaks into our heart and gives us this world and says, occupy it till I come. In other words, invest what I give you for gain. Take the power of the Holy Ghost and gain something or somebody for me. And many of us Oh, I wish I could be one of them that runs up and says, Look how much I've gained. But sometimes I look at my life and I feel like when God comes, the Holy Ghost is going to be just like it was in our life when God gave it to us. Praise the Lord, Brother Hostclaw. I feel like we fail to grow in God. As areas that we fail to mature. And we certainly have not invested for gain of any kind. I have found no accomplishment in our lives. Negligence has ruled and went. Look at the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Take a good hard look at that and ask yourself the question, what did, what did the rich man do to Lazarus? He didn't ill-use that unsightly thing that was sitting there. He didn't tell him that he couldn't sit at his gate. He didn't kick him when he was down. All Lazarus was guilty of was a sin of omission. He simply passed him by and did nothing to help that beggar as he sat there by his gate. Amen. Let us sink deep. I don't expect you to shout. I can't. But if I can some way get to our hearts with some of the things that God is trying to say and wrote it seven years ago and hid it in the parables so that when we look at it, we can realize it was for our day. Passed by that man. Looked at him and saw his soul saw his sufferings and walked on by. Didn't kick him in the face. Didn't tell him he couldn't sit there, but simply was unmindful of the needs 
of that individual as he sat there at his gate. Rich in all things, and yet no time to even help the sores of that man that was there. Now you look real careful and see if you can ascertain in that parable where the rich man wound up. Can that be? Let's just say I won't give you the answer. I'm not going to tell you what is going to happen, but I do know this. It is a glaring sin, and it is an issue that God's people are going to have to meet, and that soon. We live in the comforts, confines of our home. We worship God in the finery of our churches, and this is good. God never intended us to be on the other side of the tracks. And all the time he has blessed us. Ask yourself the question, who have I passed by to find my seat in the congregation? Negligence. Thank you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Looking at the five foolish virgins. Why were they foolish? Why didn't they make it into the feast? The Bible is clear on this. They were negligent. They did not bring oil in their lamps. And they neglected to do a necessary thing to get in to the wedding feast. God strengthen us tonight. God reach into our calloused hearts tonight. And God make us aware that there's a need in the world. And we're the only thing the world has, which is the church of God. And if we can't reach them, they can't be reached. And if we walk by them, there is no hope. I looked one time when I was at work. I went down an old lonely road. I came upon a house, beautiful, been deserted. Been a long time since anybody lived there. And something caused me to fasten my eyes upon the traces of former beauty of that house. Great huge pillars, windows in there that had been broken out but still had their same stained beauty. Walked inside and saw the magnificence of that work that was there, a mansion it was, or had been. I looked at that and God spoke some years ago to my heart and I never forgot it. He said, neglect has caused this. And it wasn't very long after that till a saint of God who had shouted the victory, had spoken in tongues, had did many wonderful things in the name of the Lord, turned his back and walked away from God. And some years later I saw them 
a broken individual. And God spoke the same words, neglect has did this. That temple of God where the Holy Ghost had dwelled, was dwelling, had not been taken care of. Her love had not been there and it had failed. I saw one time an unkept boy, dirty, begging in the streets. And God says, neglect has been the cause of this. So a boy wallowing in the streets in our hometown not too awfully long ago. And looking at him and going over to him and talking to him just a little while, I knew his parents. And his parents were not Christians and they'd failed to tell him about a God and was able to answer his problems. And the same feeling come over me and said, Neglect has made this young man a drunkard. Neglect has filled the houses of ill fame. Neglect has caused our boys and girls to be on dope and to be drunkards. Neglect and failure of God's people to show the way clearly as it ought to be. Thinking only we were responsible for that of our own and the whole world belongs to us and should be ours and we're responsible for it. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Hallelujah. God reach into the core of our heart and speak to us. But I don't think I ever had anything to cause me more sleepless nights than the neglect of a soul. A young lady in Brother Butch, turning in the back, would know her. Had been troubled by demonic forces for a long time. You don't believe in those things, why, well, you just pray for me because I do. Praise the Lord. Anyway, she had came to church and we was able to deal with them. She had turned her life over to God. She had been a street walker about everything that you'd want to call. She straightened her life out and worshiped God. Finally came to the place she couldn't stay there any longer. She needed a job. There wasn't any available. So she went to a town some several hundred miles from where we lived. And everything seemed to be going all right. And finally I began to get telephone calls. And the day and then sometimes at night. On the other end was a frightened, quivering voice that says, Brother Hostclaw, I need help. I need help. I need your prayers. Will you pray for me? And we'd pray for her over the phone and rebuke those powers. They want to send me to psychiatrists or someplace and I've been to all of them and I can't be helped by them and I try to get that into the core of them and they won't listen. And I'm here now being plagued by those. And she said, if I can't get some personal touch and some help, this thing is going to kill me. I prayed for her. I reached out. I cried. I made every effort and for three days, we didn't hear from Lynn anymore. Finally, after three days, we were notified that Lynn had been found in her room, had been dead for three days. 
from an overdose. She took her life because she was motivated by a power that she could not cope with. And churches that claimed that they believed in the power of the Holy Ghost could shout and rejoice and speak in tongues and cause the roof to quiver with their praises that had no power or time to deal with a woman driven by the demonic forces of hell had finally destroyed her life. Neglect from somewhere, some way, took a life. It's taking a life tonight somewhere because there's no one to deal with these forces that are beyond the imagination of the human mind. I believe in angels, and I know they're present. And if there's an angel, there's a demon, and I know they're present. And I know they're out to destroy anybody that confesses God in any way. But, brother, we're not an island in ourselves. We need one another, and we need help. Hallelujah. Neglect. Hezekiah opened the doors of the house and repaired them. Neglected, closed them. He brought in the leaders and told them to sanctify themselves. Hallelujah. If some way I could call upon every pastor of this church, every pastor of this church, other churches, and some way say, God, Get us out to ourselves and let us feel the sanctifying, separating presence of a mighty God. And tell us what you want us to hear and let us have ears to hear it. Had to sanctify yourself in the house of God and carry out the filth that is in the holy place that challenges every man of God that I know of is get the filthiness that comes and loves to breed itself in the house of God. Hallelujah. And get it out of there. He had them to light the lamps that should be burning continually and they had to be lit. Neglect had put them out. He made appeals to the sons and said, Be not now negligent. He said, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and daughters are in captivity because of this. Let's bring it up to the 20th century USA and say our sons and daughters of a generation of flower children and of hippies and the drug culture are in captivity because of neglect. My God. My God help us. The Apostle Paul was very adamant when he spoke to Timothy and said, don't you neglect the gift that is within you. Let's call ourselves to challenge tonight and realize that every one of us are talented and gifted in areas. 
And there's been times when we've simply neglected their use and felt good about walking out of the house of God after we did. In Hebrews, Paul tells us how we ought to give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. And he goes on to say, if words spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received its just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? That's God's word. That's not mine. As Brother Parsons says, I am just the mailman. Hallelujah. How shall we escape? If we neglect so great salvation. Let's say it again. How? How can there be any escape, he says, if words spoken by angels were steadfast, unmovable, you can't change them, they're there. And every transgression and disobedience has received its just reward. How then shall we that are here tonight escape if we neglect so great a salvation? God bring us to the forefront. God challenges us in the area of our life. And God don't let us be satisfied to lay down on our bed at night and go to sleep and forget about our community and our nation, and most of all, the suffering and the anguish of untold worlds of darkness across the land, India, Haiti, Jamaica, Africa, and all of those with its dreams of dying. And we might some way console ourselves and say, they're so far away, what has that to do with me? But brother, it has much to do with us tonight. It has much to do with us tonight. God stirs holes until we cannot or will not sleep until some way we agonize in prayer for the lost and dying. That's never heard his word once. And we pray to Jesus and use his name carelessly and callously almost hundreds of times a day. And we fail to realize that dying in the darkness of idolatry are men and women, boys and girls that have never heard the name of Jesus and they die without the privilege of breathing it. Neglect, 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 neglect. And we're faced with that as a congregation tonight. Say, I've done all I can if you want to. And I won't argue with you on it. And you be sure, as I, that you can face the Lord God of heaven when you walk up to the gates and say, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Be sure you can do that. There's many instances in the Bible that would point us out to what people that 
knew no neglect. Her lives were lived not in the mysterious realm for everybody else. Had their lives were lived in such a fashion that they had contact not only with the spirit world, but the world around them. Hallelujah. Oftentimes we get so spiritual and caught up that we can't see the need of a world around us, and that's what not, not what God wants out of us. Somebody said we become so heavenly-minded that we're not any earthly good. And this does happen. But I was studying the life of Abraham, master intercessor, covenant man on his knees. Say whatever you want to say about that man. But he was sitting at his tent door one time. Three angels came. Later was identified as two destroying angels and God himself. And of course, we'll admit all the conversation that took place. But as they were getting ready to leave, they was there for one purpose mostly. And what they told and did to Abraham was more or less a sideline. They were on their way to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And as they were getting ready to leave, the Lord said, Can I hide this thing that I'm going to do from my friend Abraham? Hallelujah. They said, No, I've got to tell him what we're going to do. And he began to speak to him about what their mission was. Abraham began to bargain with him, and you know the story, and we'll not go into that, till he came down to ten righteous, and there wasn't any there. Abraham could have said, All right, go right on and destroy the city. I've did my best. And if you'll just read your Bible, it's so explicit in this that two destroying angels went their way. And the Bible says, but Abraham stood before the Lord. Abraham had somebody in the city that he wanted to see out. And he stayed on his knees before God. Intercession was a part of his life. He could have been negligent. And a lot could have been lost. But he realized what he was there for, knew who he was, knew what he was there for, and stayed on his knees before God. And you'll find what a man on his knees can do if you'll just read it on. Many things transpired, and we'll just hurriedly go over it. But anyway, it came time for Lot to get out. Tried to warn his uh, daughters, his son-in-laws, and it said, Lot seemed as one that mocked. Lot even though he seemed to be a man that God loved, still lived in such an area and did so many things and sat at the gate and become so much a part of Sodom and Gomorrah and had no witness whatsoever to his daughters or his son-in-laws. We'll find the church world filled with individuals like this and leaves no testimony so that their own family would even have any confidence in them whatsoever. And anyway, the story goes on that Lot was told to get out. And finally, the angel come to him and took a hold of him. And those words sometimes will send me in orbit to the third heaven. As that angel said, come, Lot, and escape hither, for I cannot do anything until you're out of the city. Hallelujah! That's the intercession of Abraham, and that should be the intercession of the divine church of the living God. In so much that we can bind the powers until he says, I can't destroy, I can't make a move because Abraham got me bound. I can't make a move. Until you get out of the city. Abraham is over there on his face before God. 
Hallelujah. He's going to stay there until Lot gets out of the city. Hallelujah. Fall on your face, saints. There's somebody somewhere that you can help. Hallelujah. Mark the seventh chapter, a real old story. Syrophoenician woman came to God, came to Jesus. Jesus, my daughter is sore vexed with the devil. I'd like for you to touch her. She had a need. Jesus looked at her and shook his head. That is not meat. For me to give the children's bread to the dogs. But the woman was there because she had somebody she loved. Had needed something. He could call her a dog and she still stayed. Right there before God. She said, I know that Lord. I know that I, I, I don't, I'm not hidden that covenant yet. I, I know that it's not my time. I know that. But she said, now Lord, look at it this way. The dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the children's table. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, you just go your way. Hallelujah. Go your way. Your daughter's going to be all right. Now, I had always thought, and I'd even preached. If you don't see it this way, this is fine. But I'd always thought that somewhere, somehow, she had reached over there and got a dispensation and pulled it to her. And I don't find that in the Bible at all. All she got was what she asked for. And that was just a crumb. But that was enough to bring healing to her daughter. Now, what would happen if you and I could become aware that we are in the possession of the whole loaf and it's ours? If a crumb can cast out a devil, what can the whole loaf do? But well, we neglect to realize this. And in coming to a close, waste comes from neglect. Our definition of waste is when the fullest possibilities of anything or anyone are not developed in its fullest. That's waste. Let's read it again. It's when the fullest possibilities of anything or anyone are not developed in its fullest. That's waste. That's waste. Now then ask yourself the question as I ask mine. How many days have I wasted? How many hours have I wasted? How many moments have slipped by? How many days? How many months? How many years have come and went? And I have not utilized to the fullest that which is in my possession. The Holy Ghost. The last sentence from God pronounced. You can bear me witness on this. Will be on those who have neglected their opportunities. Insomuch as you did it not to the least of these little ones, you did it not to me. My soul cries out. I've never been 
all the years of my ministry. Never been missionary minded. Placed in a poverty stricken area in Rosie Claire and thought, this is a mission field in itself. A few offerings of $200, $240 a year was my total commitment to our church commissions. Till God laid this one on me and wouldn't let me sleep at night when I realized that they were those that have never heard the gospel. I may never be able to go, but I can pray and I can do my best to see that they have someone, someplace to tell them about Jesus. I pray. I'm not saying this to brag at all and I, I don't even know why I'm putting it in, but I feel some way impressed to the Lord. I prayed and agonized and said, God, what can we do? He said, start a missionary program if you want your church blessed. Start it. And we started. And we prayed. And we cried out. And we just asked people to give. And this may not seem much to a lot of churches that's got a lot of money. But in a year's time, our missionary offerings went from $240 a year till year before last, I think, 10000 some odd dollars across the books. And I look sometimes at the years wasting in lives and souls I could have helped. And something, nothing can drown out the cry, neglect. What a waste of Pentecostal power in lives to reach it. I'll close. God bless you for your consideration to me and your attention. At one